You're listening to MND Matters, a podcast from the MND Association. Welcome to MND Matters, brought to you by the MND Association and sponsored by Toyota GB and Toyota Financial Services. Alongside members of the MND community, we bring stories, information, and expertise direct to your ears. Remember to subscribe to ensure you don't miss an episode. Hi, I'm Helen, and I'm a regional fundraiser at the MND Association. And I'm Beck, and I'm an area support coordinator at the MND Association. And in this episode, we're going to be using a few acronyms such as LGBTQIA. So we quickly wanted to explain what that might mean. So it stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer or questioning, intersex, asexual and any other sexual identities and gender expressions. But for the purposes of this episode, you may hear a shortening that to LGBTQ plus or LGBT. We just wanted to make sure that we're clear that we're including everyone within that. June is LGBT Pride Month and we're so excited to share this month's Pride themed episode. Lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender Pride Month, LGBT Pride Month is celebrated annually in June to honour the 1969 Stonewall Riots. Pride Month works to achieve equal justice and equal opportunity for LGBTQ plus people. Now you might be thinking, what does MND have to do with Pride Month? Well, MND does not discriminate. It can and it does impact all people, including LGBTQ plus people. MND can affect anybody regardless of their sexuality or gender identity. So with this in mind, it's important that people living with and affected by MND in every community have access to the right healthcare and support. Absolutely. And I'm delighted to introduce today's guests who in this episode will be chatting to you all about their experiences um, with Pride and MND. So say hello to Sally, Sam and Angela. Sally is the CEO of the MND Association. Sam's living with MND with his husband and their son, and they've been busy fundraising, raising awareness uh, for MND. Angela is a brilliant volunteer at Opening Doors, a charity providing information and support services specifically for lesbian, gay, bisexual and trans people over 50 in the UK. We are so pleased you're all here today. We're looking forward to hearing from your very unique perspectives. So let's dive straight in. Let's, Sally, um, is it um, is it okay to ask you what, why it's important that, that we as an, the MND Association are having these conversations? Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to be part of this co- uh, podcast today. So thank you very much for inviting me. It's just so important that our association is welcome to absolutely everybody living with and affected by MND and everybody that wants to join our cause. Um, We know that there are probably about 250 people from this community uh, living with MND at any one time in the UK and we want to make sure that they feel that our association is absolutely a place to go for support and help and advice, um, but also that they're able to access the support that they need from statutory services uh, when they need it. And so this area of work is such an important thing, not only for staff in the association, but also for our volunteers. Brilliant. Um, and, you know, we want to make sure that we have uh, equal access to health and care but we know Angela that's not always been the case has it in the UK for people from the LGBT community? It's well it's our health isn't it it's all to do with our health and well-being but we're so well we speaking from personal experience are very reluctant um, to go forward for that health care 
service. Our lives have been based around fear. Fear of mm. being discriminated against, prejudiced. Um, fear from abuse, whether that's verbal or indeed physical abuse. That's shaped our lives and shaped our perception of most things in the public arena. Um, in the past where we've grown up, it's been a very hostile environment. So we're just fearful from our life experiences and all the hostilities that we've lived among and through that these things are just not safe for us. And many of us would, would gladly not go and seek those services that might we might otherwise need for our health and mental well-being and for our social care, even our housing needs. Um, we just might not go for those because of that fear factor. And it's and it, you, you're saying to Sally how important it is to have this conversation. Um, it's because we need to break that that cycle of fear, not just fear of LGBTQ people among everyone else, but the fear of the world among LGBTQ people. And, um, and that fear is all just bred out of ignorance. So having the conversation breaks down the ignorance that's there so that the ignorance doesn't feed into fear. If you break down the fear, you're going to need less healthcare services anyway, particularly in terms of mental health care. And you know, mm. mental health care affects physical health care and so on. So it's a, you know, it should be right up there at the top of um, the health care agenda, to be honest. Mm. Break down the fear, improve, improve awareness and break down that fear. Yeah, um, because we've heard examples, haven't we, about people um, choosing not to access the care and support that they actually need from that fear, from that fear of not being recognised for who they are. Yes, it's a very, very real um, situation. and you know, I, I have some experience of um, positive health care, but one or two experiences of very poor health care, which is in, in my experience has only been translated as an attitude shown towards you. You can see when they see on your notes, I'm a trans woman. They see that that's the case on my medical notes, as it were, and the tone of voice changes. You can almost hear it in their minds go, oh, it's one of you. The sooner they can get you out of that door, the, quick, the better it is for them. They just they don't really want to deal with you. It's as if you don't have a right. That's what that's the impression they give to you. Mm. But but I have equally experienced some brilliant healthcare. You know, where people have been so kind and really looked after me. I'm I'm so relieved, Angela, that that there has been some positive um, kind of experience when when accessing either health and social care services. Um, and hopefully by having the conversations on the podcast and and all of your volunteering with Opening Doors, you're you're changing those those negative experiences and, and hopefully changing people's perceptions and understanding so that in the future there are fewer 
and far between. Sam, so we've we've heard from Angela and Sally their their opinions on on why visibility is important to them. Can we come to you and ask you what visibility means to you? It's so important, and I feel because my I'm at a stage at the moment where mine is uh, my MND is not visible. It's quite hidden. Um, when I've shared my diagnosis with others, it's they almost have to. It's like a, a double take because it's they can't see it. Um, it's only perhaps if I'm tired, my walking might get a little bit more kind of clumsy. Um, people may notice that I will ha uh, hold things in my left hand rather than my right, or if I do hold something in my right, I, I get weakness. So for me, my visibility is, is speaking about it, raising awareness, because it there are so many illnesses, but again, MND is one of those that in early stages, I would say uh, most of the time, you, you can't see it. It's not until it starts progressing, advancing, that it then becomes this, this visible, this um, progressive disease that it is. So it's so important for visibility because I've had people say when I've shared my story with them and it's they think you can walk at the same pace as them. They think that you can run. Um, I've had people knock me over accidentally, but because I'm um, wobbly on my feet, I'm more aware of my surroundings. And sometimes I do want to turn around and say, do you realise what you what, what I have, what I have? And it's I, I think personally speaking for me, I don't want a, a label of this is you are MND. I'm still Sam. I'm still the same person. I have a personality. I go and do things. I have hobbies. That's not being taken away from me. And it's that visibility is so important. And again, it's we know it's a disease that robs people of their voice um, or can rob people of their voice. So visibility, say for me, is just by speaking constantly about it. And for me, my personal experience, just by by speaking, by sharing. People are shocked as I'm, I'm quite young and it's I'm always having to educate people whilst I'm being educated about it. I'm learning about it. I'm having to, to do that with other people because I think from the I suppose main assumption is they go directly to, to Stephen Hawking. That's that's the, the, the person they see, whereas the reality of it is there's many people um, in various different communities. It affects everybody. It doesn't discriminate. That's the visibility that, that it needs. And if just by speaking, by sharing, by publicising. I don't think there's we can't do anything wrong in that at all. But I don't want to hide behind it. I don't want to um, for it to feel like it's taking over me. I'm taking charge of it. I, what I said to someone just just the other day, there could be 10 people with MND and it affects those 10 people in 10 different ways. It's not a um, it doesn't replicate in the same way. Um, like I've chatted to somebody with MND um, who is part of the LGBTQIA community and I found that really insightful because he's at a very different place to, to what I am, but I'm able to relate to him. And again, he's um, he talks about his boyfriend to me and it's I'm able to feel more comfortable in my skin when talking with him about it. Yeah, that I mean, that that's heavily linked to what we were talking about earlier around like being able to share and show who you are in an open way that again feels safe and it removes that fear. It's it's that the more we talk and show who we are, 
then the more other people are likely to do that as well. You've you've mentioned there, there's, you've linked with somebody else from the LGBTQI community with MND, and it feels natural and comfortable to be able to talk about your experiences, even though they're not the same, but it's a human thing. It's, yeah. It yeah, you instantly, that... yeah, you relate to somebody. Um, and let's face it, you ask anyone with MND, would, would we really want it? No, none of us do. There's nothing we can do about it. But what we can do, is come together and, and speak about it and that's like where you've got things like the MND forum and it's creating those places where if, if someone doesn't maybe feel um, confident or uh, open enough to, to share it in such a way like I have for instance they can do it in other ways they could write a blog they could um, I don't know like appear in the local newspaper just things like that there's various kind of ways and means that that we can can have that visibility um and it is it's just that it's just relating to somebody else and it's it's knowing that you're not the only one it, it makes you feel safe it, it kind of feels like people have got your back um and i think when you're going through something as we are that's so out of our control mm. having that safety that safety net that um that, that friendship circle really you just you get to know people and that that is like the the safety that that we need um and so i've just from from just sharing my diagnosis and what are my kind of three months post diagnosis i've speak spoken to people i would normally walk past in the street but now because they've seen or heard about my story they want to ask you and i will take the time to talk about it because it can only be a positive rather than a negative so absolutely you um you mentioned there sam your blog can we um delve a little bit deeper into your your blog if that's okay and can you tell us how you're using your blog to kind of document your experiences and and why that's important to tell your story yeah, of course. It, so we started the Daddy Dad and Me blog when we adopted our son um, right at the very start of our journey almost. And it was it was a very kind of like educational. I wanted it to be about an awareness because when we were in the, the first stages of the adoption process, other than searching Google, as we all do, I couldn't really find much material around same sex couples, um, the process, because it all seemed to vary kind of where you went, who you went with. And just by obviously we keep his um, identity, sorry, identity confidential, but we we speak openly enough about it, the challenges. And I think people it I get more reaction and more uh, messages when people can relate to it. So especially where I've said like, I think I had post-adoption depression because yes there were I, I went for a period of time and it was I didn't feel like myself and it's as soon as people can relate to oh it's you're not just sharing the good bits you're sharing the kind of not so nice bits um and moving on to, to diagnosis and talking about sharing my experiences there I wasn't going to do it at first because I thought I wanted to kind of keep it separate but we've created this place where um we kind of got, got known really and just people we'd had subscribers we've got obviously instagram things like that that we share little snippets of our life on and when it came to it and i honestly thought about it and it was james who turned around to me and said well why don't you do a vlog about it and that's where it really 
came from because it was such a I, I could be myself as I, I'm, I'm, I was no longer awkward behind a camera and I was able to really share this is what's happened in my life this is kind of what I'm going through and it just again created a space for people if you wanted to read about it um, and I'm soon to be writing a blog about MND my diagnosis so I've I've only really touched on my bucket list um, kind of the what kind of happened with uh, like the tests and all things like that but I get a lot of people ask me like does it hurt what what does it do what uh, how did you notice it and I really wanted to put something there to so people can go to it if they want to and, and read about it and that's really where it, it came from and again especially from a, a same-sex point of view We've had lots of people come forward to us saying, oh, thanks very much. Like your, your blog's been really helpful. Um, and I kind of wanted to encompass that with with MND too. And even just this morning, I've had someone message me on Instagram saying, I've recently been diagnosed, just about to start clinical trials, found your blog really helpful. It, yeah, it just creates that avenue for people if they want to approach you to do it. And I find it quite cathartic documenting it. Sometimes I'm in that mood, I'm in that writing space and I think, you know what, I'm going to write down what I feel. And sometimes I won't publish it for a few days or go back in and neaten and tidy it up. But especially at like the bucket list, I sat there, and it was after James said to me, and I sat there probably over two or three evenings. And that's just where I just started thinking, right, I've got this. What do I want to do? Yeah. And that's led to you doing lots of awareness raising, hasn't it? And you're doing a fundraising gala and yes. yeah, you've mentioned your bucket <laughs> list as well there. So like how has that been and how's the um how do you feel the LGBTQ community has come together to to support you in that? For me, it was literally from day one. Um I kind of did the the, the crying for days and all of that. And then I've always been one of those people you turn a negative situation into a positive um I didn't want to kind of rest on my laurels I didn't want to kind of I could I could I had the option to sit there and think about it and and for that to be the way in which I dealt with it but I thought for something that's out of my control I I it was regaining something I needed something something back so that's really where the fundraising started um Almost immediately, I've had friends that are saying that we're going to run like half marathons for you and we're going to raise money for the MNDA. I've got my, one of my friends doing the burpee challenge for May. And so that all, straight away, I was like, oh, that's really nice again, because you feel supported by people. They want to do something to, to, to help you and, and to, to, to move you through whatever you feel. Um, and yeah, so the, with this gala in, in August has really been taking up most of my time. Um, <laughs> so it, it's kept keeping me busy, but it's something I kind of do something in some capacity once a day with it. Whether that's, I don't know, booking something for the event or we're getting raffle and auction prizes. Yeah, so I had a, a, an article in the, the local newspaper, then the, uh, one of the streets that was probably about two or three hundred yards down from me had an email saying we never knew this was on our doorstep because I live in quite a small village. And um, the lady said, look, we're, we're doing a Jubilee street party and we want to raise money for you. So never met her, don't know who she is. Oh. And it's it's just that generosity. Um, from people like strangers I'm not I'm, like, I'm, I'm going down fighting 
I'm not go- I'm not very <laughs> quiet about it. I, wherever <laughs> I can get whatever I can do, I will do. Because again, it goes back to a, a control thing. I, I want to feel like I'm doing something and for it to be a, a legacy, I want people to turn around and say, oh yeah, Sam did that. And it's, I, yeah, whilst I can do something, I want to do something. Um, and there's still so much to do. There's so much positivity in in what you've just said. And you are smashing it in bringing your community together. And that's your your LGBTQ plus community, but also your your village community, the community that you've created because of your blog. You're bringing them all together and you're raising that awareness. And with that, you're you're raising the funds that are genuinely going to help us get closer to our vision of a world free from MND mm-hmm. and just take this opportunity to say a huge thank you to you <laughs> and and all of your community for for getting out there increasing that visibility and and making such a difference Sally we know why this is important that that we're having these conversations what is the MND Association doing to help improve life for LGBTQ plus people living with or, or affected by MND? No, that's a really interesting question. I'm, I'm very interested to hear Angela's uh, experience of services because I think it, it's it, within the association. It's some of it is about improving people's understanding. Staff always try to do their best, but sometimes they don't know in certain circumstances how to do the the best you know it may be that they've not had very much exposure to the lgbt community um and it may be that often people are afraid of saying the wrong thing or you know uh, just appearing to be stupid or ignorant and so as a result they may be back off perhaps from from having these conversations so i think at the association what we're trying to do with this work is to really just open up that conversation to say we really just want people to engage in the conversation we're we're going to provide some training and and uh, we're working with opening doors um, to provide uh, access uh, to training for people and I've had such great feedback about about that training and how much people have appreciated uh, appreciated it emotional as it it is I think Um, so we're providing support to people so that they uh, feel more confident um, uh, to to engage with with the community. But we're also reaching out to people so that we can provide um, support and um, people can come together that identify uh, in that community with that community. And we've formed what is quite a successful LGBTQ plus group now. Uh, that I feel very privileged to be the sponsor of um, and I think is providing a lovely space for people to come together and share their experiences. And this is part of our wider diversity work, uh, which is also about making sure that we reach out to people uh, in all communities so that everybody feels welcome at the M&D Association and we fulfil our promise that no one, nobody experiences M&D alone. So it's, you know, it's part of a wider piece of work, but a really important focus piece of work uh, for this community. 
it's uh, it's all intersectional, isn't it? Because you can be uh, living with MND, so therefore you have like this terminal illness and you're experiencing that and then the challenges accessing care that come with that. And then you could be from the LGBTQ community. You could also have um, other things that disadvantage you. And then so it's all linked that we're working together to do this inclusion work. Um, and I think it's it's great that we're we're talking about this today on this podcast, but I wonder if we could roll back a, a little bit, Angela, and ask you from your experience uh, being a volunteer at Opening Doors, what are some of the um, ways in which the LGBT older community interact with health and social care services? Yeah, I mean, what I was saying before about the awareness building is what we've all got to do. So the Opening Doors training is building that awareness and then putting some structure in, um, putting some practice and processes in that establish the awareness into something real. It becomes part of habit and behaviour. So a lot of that is required, a lot of being being prepared to stand up and talk about it very openly, um, sometimes bravely, uh, is, is vital. Um, not always easy, particularly if you've got families as well, because sometimes if there is hostility out there, that can sometimes target the ones you love as well, just by sort of association with your name even. Yeah, I, th I think we just need to, to build familiarity with LGBTQ um, people, their lives, their experiences. Um, and break down any any ignorance that would otherwise breed fear. I mean, we do know, I mean, we know, of course, there are some people who will deliberately feed on people's fear and their ignorance, and they'll stir it in even more and try to promote it even more. We just have to keep keep on being visible and normalise these things in people's minds so that they don't they don't even know why you should be talking about it because it's it's kind of irrelevant it's just part of life it's who we all are um that's that's really what we've got to do and that's why we've come quite well, quite a long way over, over the last 30 years i guess within the lgbt community we've far more readily accepted and younger people there's there's huge power in people being open about their stories and their truth and and that story of you know a young person feeling really empowered to be who they are is is testament to you know being able to see people like yourselves and um you can only be what you can see and and i think we've come so far in society there's still so much more to do but it just shows you how vital it is that talking and being open can genuinely make a positive and, and really tangible impact for the younger generations. Yeah. I think one of the things perhaps at least for people in same-sex relationships that made a difference was when civil partnership and then um, marriage became possible because I think that sent a very clear message out that your relationship is now, you know, legally um, possible. And uh, and that was a, an enormous uh, place of celebration. Um, 
that society had recognised the equality of, of, of a same-sex relationship. So it's, and that of course wouldn't have come about without massive amounts of campaigning by the by the community itself. And I suppose that's just another point to make uh, in this conversation is that there are problems to be solved, but the community itself is incredibly powerful, incredibly resourceful and um, has over the decades changed many things for the good. And um, we we just need to celebrate that in Pride Month, don't we? Um, and all year uh, round. All year round, of course, of course. But it's the kind of focus, I guess, isn't it, for, for celebration, um, Pride marches and Pride Month um, gives us an opportunity to do that. Yeah, and it's it's really important that we do that as an M&D association to show our community and our supporters, like you mentioned earlier, Sally, that we are proud of our community and M&D does not discriminate and it can affect absolutely anyone. And there are uh, members of the LGBT community in our community. We're here, we're being visible. And um, yeah, that shows that we are inclusive for everybody. I was just going to say it's important because within within the MND Association, it is is just showing that we're all humans, we're all the same, and all the diseases, all the illnesses, all the stresses and strains of life, they they affect us all, no differently. Um, yes, some some are going to be more prone to some of these uh, conditions and illnesses and disabilities and so on, and some of our life experiences will exacerbate those to some extent but but fundamentally we're all as prone to them as anyone else and so it, it is in a way in a in a horrible way it's a quite a big leveler isn't it just building on that i was uh, i was going to reflect on something that you said earlier back about um people's experiences and i think What's really vital in this work for me is, is just that encouragement, that support for us all to approach uh, people that we serve, people in the M&D community as an individual and to understand where they come from and the kaleidoscope of things that have impacted on their lives, the, the experience that they've had and that make up who they are. And whether they're gay or straight or trans, whether they come from a community in the north of England or they live in London or they're, you know, they come from a BAME community. What, whatever the kaleidoscope of things that make them who they are, that, that's how we should approach somebody. We shouldn't use these things as labels with which to make assumptions about somebody. We should get to know what makes them as, a, makes them as an individual and what's important to them. And, and I see this work very much as, as helping people to have those conversations and um, sort of assimilate that into the way that they, that we offer our services as an association. I agree. Yeah. I think there's a danger, isn't there, that if somebody's got a, you know, you've attached a label to somebody that you make all sorts of assumptions about, you know, what that person therefore is and what they think and what they want. And, you know, sometimes those things are just not true, are they? We're all individuals. Yeah, yeah. And that all comes with that um, 
yeah I guess that opportunity to feel safe to be you and show people who you are um and remove that fear and having conversations like this definitely do that and shift the shift the can along the road a little bit further don't they the more we do it the more it happens so yeah and I think approaching approaching uh, people you meet with a with a kind but inquiring an open mind. I think that's what we you know we want we want to hear how people would like us to provide support, um, provide care or services, don't we? We want to hear from them rather than have our own assumptions about how that should be. Yeah. And we have to be very careful about those people I, I i almost use the word those forces that are trying to drag us backwards um, but if you call them forces that gives them some sort of authority doesn't it and i don't want to give them any authority they're just individuals who have got some weird sick sort of ideal ideology about the way the world should be and how how humans should be uh, they're, they're still there and some of them are in influential places in media, in, in politics and so on. We just have to be mindful that they are there and we still have to keep going. We, we, we're not there at all yet. We've got a long way to go. But these things, celebrating the pride, um, having pride in ourselves as individuals, whoever we are that's got to be the way forward and um, and that's how we will defeat those who have got a, a different view on the world i think that's lovely i think we must always be alert to you know any kind of uh, desire to go backwards which we must not do um, but the idea that we should celebrate pride and be proud is is a really lovely one I think for me my, my kind of like final words would be for anyone I know what pre-diagnosis when I, I had an incident basically that a medical professional not they were qualified but not qualified to give a diagnosis and that led to me going in a very kind of dark um, hole. That's all I can really kind of say on it. Um, and I did lots and lots of research and it's I became consumed by it all. Post-diagnosis, I don't want to know about it. But what I, I remember feeling what I felt at the time is I felt very alone, like I was the only one. I didn't really want to reach out to anybody. So I just wanted to say if anyone is in that position where you're not sure of what to think, what, what happens next, deal with it on a day by day basis. My head was racing right towards the end. Mm -hmm. And I think for me that didn't help me at all. What does help me, and again may go back to a control thing, is just by taking each day at a time. Mm -hmm. As they say, Rome wasn't built in a day you're still living your life, you're still able to go and do things. And I take quite a lot of comfort in knowing that my family and friends have already said to me, like my friends, like, we're still going to be taking you out, even when you're in a wheelchair, we're still going to be going and causing havoc and all of that. <laughs> and it's just knowing MND doesn't take your identity away, but it becomes part of you. It's just a part of you, but it is not you to be yourself but just know that you can speak up and out there are places like the mnda to go to go to the forums 
try and engage with people that that maybe have been diagnosed with it and I've just found that super helpful and it's just by taking it a, a day at a time and you just kind of deal with it as you go and that's what I found kind of has, has helped me through a dark time and I'm able to look at things in quite a positive way now. I am not MND, I am just, I'm living with it. It's just a part of who I am, it's not Sam. I am still me. Thank you so much, Sam. That's such a powerful message to end on. Uh, thank you all so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing experiences. It's been really eye-opening for us and thank you for highlighting everything that we've talked about. Um, it's great that our staff and volunteers have access to incredible training that Opening Doors are providing to us and we can't wait to see what other opportunities arise from the inclusion work that's going on behind the scenes. Uh, and that's all done to make sure that people living with or affected by MND have access to the care and support that they need. So if anyone's got any questions, feel free to reach out to our LGBTQIA plus network. Um, ask us anything. We'll include the email address in the link for this podcast episode. And if Sam has inspired you today to get involved in fundraising and galvanise your own communities, please check out the MND Association website, which has fundraising ideas and events which suit all ages and all abilities. Thank you once again to our brilliant guests and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to MND Matters, a podcast from the MND Association. Find more information at mndassociation.org. If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, contact our helpline MND Connect on 0808 802 6262 or email mndconnect at mndassociation.org.